The 19th and first half of the 20th century are absolutely remarkable for the spread of Catholic missions all over the world. I've been doing a lot of reading about the history of those missions, and it really is an incredible story that needs to be told and that we need to know more of. I want you to think about how during that time period, every day, young men and women told their parents that they were leaving home to go out to the foreign mission fields because they were called by God to that vocation. And they and their parents knew full well that they would probably never come home again. But they all made that sacrifice because of their faith, because of what our Lord says in the Great Commission. Now, during that time period that we're talking about, almost every nation on earth would see, finally, the cross of Christ planted and His church begin her activity in places where even a few years before, it was absolutely unthinkable. Now, some nations, like Uganda, for example, very quickly saw such tremendous gains for the faith that today they send missionaries to us in the United States, right? In the Diocese of Charleston, okay, little known fact, over half of the priests of this diocese are missionary priests from other countries, right? And of those of us who are left, the South Carolina boys, the vast majority of us are converts to Catholicism. Now, during the time period that I'm talking about, other countries also grew very quickly. But political and economic conditions, since in some of those places that were flourishing, have seen the church almost disappear. Last year, the last Catholic of any sort was an Italian priest who left Afghanistan. The light of the gospel is now quite literally no longer in that one country. You know, in school we learn about the age of exploration, and that meant that adventure seekers and entrepreneurs opened a way for the gospel all over the world that was closed before. But the massive migrations of peoples during that time also brought imperialism and colonialism. And those people, quite understandably and naturally, brought their culture with them wherever they went. Now, some missionaries, perhaps too closely, identified the preaching of the faith with the transmission of their culture. And they enjoyed the benefits of working under the banner of a foreign power. Other missionaries knew how to capitalize on the opening that was given to them by conquering and occupying armies. 
but preferred to model their lives on that of the local people as much as possible, realizing that they were there to bring Jesus, not patriotism for the countries that they loved, even as they left them. Now, that legacy of conquest, empire, and colonization from previous centuries is being reevaluated today. In the year 1960, the northern African country of Algeria was part of France, and it was 25% Catholic. The church had an impressive network of parishes, schools, hospitals, orphanages, every institution under the sun that you can imagine. But in many places, the church was seen as just another foreign power intent on making everybody into good French Catholics. Now, I love good French Catholics, but was that what they were there for? So when Algeria won its independence from France, the church collapsed almost from one day to the next because it was not as rooted in the native culture and as independent from temporal powers for the church to survive what was in essence a political situation. In the year 1960, another former French colony, Quebec, was almost 100% Catholic. Yet in that same decade, the church there practically collapsed from one day to the next in what is known as the Quiet Revolution, where a flourishing Catholic culture was secularized at lightning speed. The church has learned a lot from the experience of those decades. The Second Vatican Council was very concerned about disanchoring spiritual activities from temporal power and seeking after authentic enculturation of the gospel in every context. Now, as you can imagine, there were a lot of theories proposed about what this should look like in terms of ecumenism, religious dialogue, humanitarian aid, and evangelization. But it has to be said that many missionary communities lapsed into religious indifferentism. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. But either Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or he isn't. But many missionaries fell into that pattern. Sometimes they saw the church herself as an obstacle. Well, you know, if the church just weren't so churchy, then maybe people would be more the church. In some places, they were reduced, reducing mission work to being social workers. And God knows we need good social workers, but the missionary life isn't just that. 
And many missionaries thought that it was their calling to be just good people giving good example. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, it is a wonderful thing for people to be good people and give good example. But is that what the missionary life is all about? Theories of theologians have had the practical consequence of secularizing the church's missionary enterprise. As societies in developing countries struggle with the legacy of the European Christian presence among them in the past and even today, there just seems like there's a lot less energy for missions than there was a century ago. But the Great Commission is still a commandment, not a suggestion of the Lord. Go out into the whole world, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But how do we fulfill that commandment in our time? We live in this time and in this place. What is that supposed to look like for us? Well, first of all, I think that we actually have to believe in Jesus and in the Catholic Church as true. I mean, you can't give what you don't have. And if belief in Jesus and in His church doesn't change your life, then why should anybody else be attracted to it? The greatest obstacle to others becoming Catholic is Catholics, right? We have to say this. Second, we have to get away from this notion of the church being a place we come to in order to just get what we want or what we think we need. You know, often this is called cafeteria Catholicism, right? And sometimes that term is used to deride those who want to kind of pick and choose what they believe from what the church teaches. But here I'm not talking, I mean, that's not a good thing. But there's this idea that, okay, well, I need food, and, you know, so I kind of like that food, I don't like that other food, and, you know, what about me, what about my needs, right? You know, sometimes people come to ch church and they're like, okay, so what can you do for me, right? But the church is the body of Christ sent out on mission. We are outward and other-focused. So often in the Catholic Church today, so much of our discussion seems to be all inside baseball, doesn't it? It's exhausting, right? What does this have to do with the reality of who the church is, right? You know, often sometimes we have this idea that a parish is truly vibrant, right? If there's like a million and one ministries, right? There's things going on at the church all day and all night long, right? And again, those things aren't necessarily a bad thing, don't get me wrong. But is that truly a sign of a healthy church? Or are we just constructing our own little fortress in which we can say, well, we're so good, we do all of these things. 
okay, but what are you doing outside of 1209 Brushy Creek Road? Third, we should not be afraid to call our young people particularly, not just to be generous, but to total sacrifice like the missionaries and martyrs of old. We actually have to seek out discomfort and put aside the notion of a comfortable life as the goal. One of my favorite quotes of Pope Benedict XVI was that you were not made for comfort, you were made for greatness. You know, sometimes I'll have parents who will come to me and they're talking about, you know, their dreams for their children, and they're good things, right? You know, I want to give them a great education, right, so that they can get in the right schools and then be able to have the right job and a comfortable life. Now, I'm not against a comfortable life. I have everything I could possibly ever dream of. It is a very comfortable life to be your pastor. Is that what Jesus wants? Does he want us to be comfortable? Or does he want us to be great? Fourth, you can't love someone you don't know. And you have to love them as they are, not as how you want them to be. And that is why we have to be able to be ready to learn other people's languages, cultures, and spiritual traditions. There has to be an openness to those who are outside of the little boxes that we tend to put ourselves in. The Christian is not about making others into mirror images of ourselves but into the image and likeness of God who can be seen in every language and culture so that each of us can be perfected within the Catholic Christian spiritual tradition. The church throughout the world this weekend celebrates World Mission Sunday. And so on this World Mission Sunday, I'm asking our parish to embark on a deeper conversion, all of us together, on what it means to be the church. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. James chapter 1 verse 22 tells us. You know, at the end of the Mass, the deacon turns towards us, and in Latin he says, ite misa est, right? Go, you are sent forth. Jesus sends us forth into our mission field where we are called to give everything for love. As he gave, not just for the people we care about who happen to be physically close to us, but even for those whose existence is known to God alone, future friends that we just haven't met yet.